Hello and welcome to the Wizard's Guide to Peak Performance. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Panko, and throughout this podcast, I, along with my guests, will be giving you hints and habits that can help you achieve your highest performance in life, in sport, and in business. Alright, welcome to another episode of the Wizard's Guide to Peak Performance. Today is what I call the nepotism episode. This is my brother, Curtis Panko, although uh, I'm actually really fortunate that this is a guy I probably would have tried to seek out and get on the podcast whether or not he was related to me. Curtis has spent the past two years contracted with the, Eskim- uh, the Edmonton Eskimos as their mental performance consultant. And that's the way I'm allowed to say it, right? Mental skills coach. Mental skills coach, sorry. Uh, so he has helped his own team, a lot of different professional athletes, with their mental skills and has a lot of really interesting insights into the world of the mentality of professional sports. As well, Kurt actually does a lot of research in uh, sport and youth development, how to help people develop a growth mindset through sport. So he's an awesome, awesome person to get some insight from. He happens to be my brother, but like I said, I would have had him on anyway. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, not something I get out of the office much to do, so... I'm looking forward to being here despite my status as the first nepotism guest. I'm sure there will be more. I hope so. We have a really interesting family. Yeah. Um, So with that, obviously, kind of goal of this podcast is to help people kind of learn about what mindsets high-performing people, professional athletes, different professionals use to help them maintain the level of performance they're trying to achieve. Now, with the Eskimos, something really interesting that we were talking about earlier uh, this week was part of the program that you were in was sort of the human performance program was actually tasked not only with helping people kind of get through their their mental pieces, whatever that may be on the field in life, but also to help keep people both performing at their best and performing with less injuries and less time away. And you had some pretty impressive stats in your program. Yeah, um, so I was really lucky. I ended up getting in touch with a guy by the name of Kyle Thorne, um, who was hired two years ago by the Eskimos. Um, he'd been around the NFL, he'd been around the Premier League in soccer. Um, so he, you know, he had a pretty good background for this kind of stuff. Um, and it was interesting, when he came in, I assumed it would be kind of a strength and conditioning program. That's typically what you see in the CFL or, you know, in football pretty generally. Um, Or you have a sports medicine department. But it's, you know, that's kind of it. Whereas Kyle was really focused on, I guess, the other aspects of performance. So we did a lot of stuff on sleep education and recovery education. Um, And yeah, when you break it down kind of by games saved or um, the number of players lost due to injury each year, um, yeah, our numbers were really good. We ended up saving the club, um, I think, in the million-dollar ballpark, um, mostly just by implementing, well, we think, mostly by implementing a bunch of different um, recovery tools and educating the players on the importance of not just practicing hard and studying your playbook and working out, but also making sure that you're taking time to help your body and your mind recover after a hard week. Which is awesome in and of itself. Now, trying to 
provide some more actionable things for people listening or watching to this. Um, what were some of the higher yield things that you found that you guys worked on that would help people stay healthy and perform better? I would say the biggest one that we saw a difference in was um, probably in the off season, the guys who trained with our department. Um, so with Kyle, with a guy by the name of Dave Thomas, um, and with um, Mike Blanchard, our S&C team. Um, those are the guys that are getting kind of a high quality level of physical training. And they're working with people who know how to help manage professional athletes. Now that's going to be different. Um, you know, a university athlete is going to have different needs in the off season. They might need to push a little bit harder than a professional athlete who might just be looking to maintain or kind of get back to a baseline after a long season. Um, but we saw big strides with that. So with a well-organized, systematic training approach um, that the players were committed to as well as our sleep education. So in helping our high performers, whether it's coaches or athletes, understand the importance of sleep and give them tips and tricks, I guess, to make sleep something that's easier for them to do at home or on the road because they travel a lot. Um, you know, guys who reported sleeping more tended to be injured less frequently, um, tended to have report better mood, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was, a, it was a really neat thing for me to see just how important it can be to have a purposeful training program and just pay attention to your sleep hygiene. Um, I would say those were kind of the two biggest and easiest things that we implemented that had an impact. What kind of sleep hygiene things are you talking about? So the big thing... Um, that we found with our guys, and you probably find it with yourself, um, family, friends, everyone, uh, screen time before bed. So we tried to get guys to put their screens. Um, some stuff recommends 90 minutes. Um, other stuff is an hour. We just, like, give us half an hour. Just half an hour before you go to bed, like, brush your teeth, go to the washroom. But, like, before you do that, put your phone away, and it's away for the night. Um, but some other stuff that's pretty accessible that you can do for at home Keep your room dark. That was a big one, especially um, out in Edmonton in the summers. The days are long. So if you're trying to go to bed at 11 o'clock, like it might still be relatively light out, kind of late June. Um, so blackout curtains are really good for that. Or just a sleep mask if you are renting a place and, or you don't want to invest in curtains. Um, temperature. So keeping a room... Between, I think it's 16 and 19 degrees Celsius, if I remember correctly, is kind of your optimal sleep temperature. Um, and there was a new study that came out this year that actually said there doesn't seem to be a human population worldwide that has adapted to sleeping in temperatures above 21 degrees and benefiting from it. So, kind of, you would like to aim for that 16 to 19, but if your room is hot at night, Again, above 21 degrees, we don't seem as a species to be able to deal with that in a productive way. Yeah, I found that one honestly really big for myself when I just started. You know, like it's even in the fall or early winter, opening a window at night, you can still keep the blackout curtains in. You get a little bit of a breeze. 
so every now and then some light kind of mm-hmm. comes through, but that difference of like dropping, you know, five, ten degrees in the, the bedroom is huge in terms of sleep for me. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Because um, obviously you don't want to, ha- if you're running um, heat, you don't want to have the windows open all the time, but um, getting a programmable thermostat, good for your wallet and also better for your sleep to kind of turn it down at night. So set it so it goes down. If you're trying to go to bed at 10, it will start dropping at 8.30. Um, so you get kind of around that 19 degree range when you're crawling into bed and then you can set it so... If you're waking up at 7, that it's 6 o'clock, it starts heating the house to 21, 22 degrees. Um, so you can kind of have a comfortable living temperature, but you can also make sure that you're sleeping in an environment that's good for you to be sleeping in. Yeah, actually, when I had uh, roommates, I would use just vent covers so that mm. at least the vents weren't blowing any air into my room and then wasn't wasting heat to have the window open. Smart. So lots of ways around different things, and there's always some sort of new technology that'll undo a lot of the problems that we've done to ourselves. Feels like most of life is just trying to undo the problems that industry and technology has brought on. But uh, so yeah, sleep hygiene huge. And then you work more specifically yourself on more the mental performance side of things. Now, what does that look like? Um, do you mean what needs do these athletes have? What did my role look like? How did I go about doing my role? What do you wanna? What do you want to dive into? A little bit of everything. Like, what were some common issues that the professional football players you were dealing with were coming in? And then after that, how did your role look in helping them through that? Um, So a lot of it, I guess, is job-based stress. So it's not um, anything that someone listening or watching wouldn't really know. It's just, it's at a different scale. Obviously, the context is different. Um, But, you know, these guys are signing two, three-year deals. You're not getting kind of your mega deals like you're seeing in basketball or hockey or baseball where guys are signing over 10 years. Like, the CFL short-term deals, it stresses guys out. Um, So, a fair bit of it is just kind of how do you manage that stress and the uncertainty that comes around maybe being in the last year of your contract or that kind of stuff. And then in terms of on-field, um, obviously the pressure to perform. So you're in a high-stress environment. You get paid to excel at your job. Um, no one wants to pay someone to be average. So, yeah, the guys put a lot of pressure on themselves to perform. And, um, yeah, it can be an interesting challenge to navigate kind of the combination of things that comes out. And how do you help them navigate that? So the biggest thing I find is uh, just, well, you got to start with listening. Um, you have to really understand what the stress is about. And that comes way back to figuring out why they want to play. Um, you know, are they playing for a paycheck? Are they playing make their family proud, are they playing because their goal is to win a Grey Cup, or be an all-star, or, you know, like, what's their reason in doing this? Um, And once you just talk to them, and you have conversations, and you listen, you figure out, okay, so, the pressure of performing is stressful for this person, because they're trying to 
buy their first home and provide for their kid. Um, which, again, I'm sure there are people listening and watching that can relate to that reason for something being stressful, even though the source of the stress might be different. Um, so with something like that, obviously that's a tough one. It's a tough thing to deal with, like, well, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next year and I'm trying to worry about feeding my family. So with that kind of stuff, um, some giving them tools to help them stay grounded or stay focused on the present can be really good. Um, guys I've worked with have talked about yoga being very helpful uh, for that kind of stuff or um, journaling can be very good for that kind of stuff. So kind of reflecting on your day, setting goals for your day, but being very focused on today. Um, that kind of stuff can be helpful. Just meditation can be really good. Meditation can be good for a lot of things. You can see a lot of positives, whether you're stressed or not from stuff like meditation, just kind of grounding yourself. And um, I'm a big fan personally of gratitude-focused stuff. So, you know, telling people that you're grateful for them or you're grateful for the thing they did telling yourself what you're grateful for, I find can really help um, keep you focused on what's good in your life so you don't worry as much about or you're in a better position to deal with some of those stressors like um, whether or not you're going to be employed in a year or whatever the case may be with those guys. I think those are all pretty good tools and I think almost all of them I think are tools that I've used personally and a lot of them are still tools I use. Uh, just because, yeah, I do find that they help mitigate the stress of, in my space, it's more helping others, similar to you, through a lot of different challenges, but also managing a business and trying to manage my life. And it's nice to have those different forms of reflection and uh, sort of removing yourself from some of the problems you're having, taking that step back and being able to look at it through that different light, um, which I think is really awesome. Is there anything that you've learned in your research that has been really helpful for either you personally or for players that you've coached or been more the mental performance, mental skills coach for? Um, obviously, uh, one thing we haven't talked a lot about is that you also coach as a more traditional uh, defensive line coach for the University of Alberta. Um, but anything that really surprised you how helpful it was? Um, I think one of the big things comes from a study I presented on at a conference this fall in Vancouver um, that we're hoping will get published in the coming months uh, as a journal article, but it was with NHL players and it was about the psychological characteristics or the mental stuff um, that they thought was important to them during their career um, and kind of when they learned it. And the really interesting thing for me was we see so much about getting kids um, in performance environments early. And, you know, you have to, like, build a performance culture super early on. But what these guys all said, and, you know, we're talking about guys that I think the average career length of the guys we talked to was, like, nine years. Um, so, you know, we didn't talk to guys who were one and dones. Like, these guys made a living, supported their families, their rest of their lives through playing hockey, through performing at an elite level. And they all said the most important thing for them was 
learning these positive interpersonal characteristics in minor sport, um, which is kind of a, a neat thing when you're talking about performance. But for them, it was basically, you know, you learn how to build relationships with people. Um, you learn how to be a leader. You learn how to commit to a team. A lot of the guys would talk about being a good teammate, so being just a supportive person, being a positive person to be around. And a lot of them would credit that for the length of their career in the NHL. They'd say, you know, yeah, like there were these performance skills that were important, but in terms of actually like getting signed to contracts once you hit like year five, it's are you a good person? Um, and at the end of the day, I think even when we looked at the performance skills that the guys talked about in that study, some of them are purely performance skills. Some of them are, I needed to be confident going into a game, so I'd visualize myself being successful. Um, but some of the other stuff was, I had a really, you know, I got cut from the NHL team my first year. I got sent down to the AHL. And so I couldn't pout, because I knew if I wanted to get called up, I just had to focus on being a good teammate. So even for them to deal with a tough situation, it came back to, well, I'm just going to be a good person. I'm going to treat others with respect. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do all these little things. And that will help me reach an elite status again. I'll get back there or I'll be able to stay there if I can have this base. Um, so for me, that's been a really interesting one. Is It's to be an elite performer in sport or at least, you know, not every NHL player is an elite NHL player, but if you put any of those guys in a Friday night league in Canada, they're going to do just fine in that Friday night pickup league. Um, like, they're elite players. And for them, being a good person was so important that that was really eye-opening for me because um, I didn't really expect a bunch of elite performers to say that that's the foundation. If you're not a good person you're not going to stick around. So I've really tried to focus um, more of my coaching on making sure I'm, you know, making sure we talk about that. as like, that's the best thing. And if you think about it um, from a team dynamics perspective, it makes sense that that would be important in a sport like hockey or in any sport or in any kind of team workplace environment where if you can't work with your team, if you can't help other people be their best, if you can't build your teammates up, you're just not going to be successful. And it doesn't matter whether you're in sales or marketing or you're running a medical practice with a group of other people. You need to be a strong team. You need to be a united team. And if you don't understand how to do that, then, you know, you're just, the team isn't going to be able to adhere through stressful situations. So you can have all the individual skills you might need you're not going to experience team success if you're not a good teammate, if you don't have that strong base of being a good person. I think that's a great lesson. Definitely surprising. Yes. Yeah, I was not whatsoever expecting that when I asked the question, so I think that answers the question about as well as you could have. Um, so this has been awesome. Leave things off. People keep hounding me about starting to ask people rapid-fire questions at the end. I would love to. So one of the big topics that tends to come up in terms of performance, and you've been dealing more with helping people who are more or less already there, mm -hmm. 
really achieve that. And I think that's been some valuable insight. But for people kind of getting there, it's been touched on, but purpose. And you talked about it in terms of listening, but purpose is a big thing. In terms of, like, the purpose that you have, what is the purpose you connect to? Um, I do it for a teammate who was murdered um, and a coach who recently passed away. Um, they were both great people, gone too soon, and for me it's important to make sure I'm giving back um, in their memory. So that's why I do what I do. Um, but that being said, no purpose is better than any other purpose. If your purpose is important to you, if your purpose is you want to buy your first house, so it, you need to hit this sales goal for six consecutive months to get your down payment together, that purpose is just fine. Like, if that's what drives you, if that's what you can connect with, then that's what you got to do. Um, so don't be, I would say with that, you know, people might hear my purpose and think, oh, wow, that's a lot. You know, that's some heavy stuff. Yours doesn't have to be that for you to be successful. Um, just be honest with yourself. Why do you want to do what you're doing? And if you care about it enough, then it'll get you through the hard times. That You know what? Yeah, it's been a slow first two weeks of the month, but I think I can make this up. I think I can hit it um, and be okay. So identifying your purpose is probably the most important part of performance. That is a great answer. And I can only say this because you're my brother, but you completely missed the point of rapid fire. But yeah, thank you for right. a great answer. Um, other more rapid fire question I was going to ask you is what is the definition of peak performance to you? Uh, peak performance to me would be being able to give your best effort at any given time. So if you're asked to do a podcast when you're on your holidays, um, if you're prepared, if you are at your peak, then you can sit down and do this podcast and talk about your stuff, even though you're the tail end of your holiday, and you're flying back tonight. Um, well, we had to squeeze it in before you left. We did. We did. It is never quite the same over Skype. No. So this. Yeah. Thank you for everybody who's done a Skype interview with me. You're still wonderful, but it is just there's something nice about being able to connect in person. So yes. So that is that. All right. Well, I will let you go catch your flight. Thanks Thank you. Anytime.